0: Stay up-to-date and engage with the financial world. You're listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. You might know Tencent as the company behind WeChat, the dominant social media company in China with over 1 billion users. But they're far more than just a social media company, with interests ranging from video games to financial services. Since its IPO in 2004, Tencent became one of the best performing stocks of all time with its share price rising by 91,000% at its peak in 2021, giving it a market cap of more than $900 billion. This means that had you invested just $1,000 in the company at the IPO, you would have had $910,000 in February of 2021. By taking a quick look at their financials, it's not hard to tell why. From 2010 through 2021, the company's revenue increased 30-fold to $87 billion and their net income increased 29-fold to $35 billion. This made it one of the fastest growing and profitable technology companies not online in China but the entire world. However, over the past year, Tencent's fortunes have changed dramatically with the stock price declining by more than two-thirds. And if you look at their recent financial performance, it's not hard to tell why. After two decades of growth, they reported two consecutive quarters of revenue declines in 2022. In the most recent quarter, their net income fell by a whopping 56% compared to the same period last year. Tencent was founded all the way back in 1998 by the Chinese entrepreneur Ma Hua along with four of his former classmates. At the time, the internet was brand new. Ma attended a presentation of the online instant messaging service ICQ, which was created by an Israeli company, Mirabilis, a few years prior. Ma created his own instant messaging application called QQ, which was more or less a copy of ICQ. Over the next few years, QQ skyrocketed in popularity, quickly becoming the largest instant messaging app in China by far. Tencent has long been criticized for copying other companies, In the early 2000s, Microsoft launched their MSN messaging service in China. Tencent almost immediately started copying many of the same features and functionality into QQ, but it's not fair to call them purely a copycat. They also added new features such as customizable avatars and other ways that people could customize their profiles to express themselves online. This made QQ much more attractive to the younger generations as opposed to Microsoft MSN, which was mostly used in corporate settings. The QQ messaging app was free to use, and they generated revenue by charging subscription fees for premium features. However, there's only so much money people are willing to pay for a premium messaging feature. For the first couple years, they were burning cash and pushed to the brink of bankruptcy. They desperately needed additional capital, so they sold a 47% stake in the company to South African media conglomerate Naspers for $32 million. This gave them enough capital to get by for a few years. But if they wanted to become consistently profitable, they needed to find a new route of monetization. With QQ, they had hundreds of millions of active users. The problem was, the vast majority of them didn't use any premium features, so average revenue per user was negligible. In the 2000s, there was a huge gap in the market for video games in China. A lack of digital piracy enforcement made traditional console games largely unviable in China. Nobody was willing to pay $60 for a console game when they could just buy a copy on a street market for $5. Tencent was one of the first companies to realize that if people are going to pirate the games anyway, you might as well give them away for free. You can then monetize by selling in-game microtransactions like custom avatars and various power-ups. These are almost impossible to pirate. While you might make only a few dollars on average per user, if tens or even hundreds of millions of people play, the total revenue will be significant. At the time, they had no expertise in video game development, so they went to a bunch of foreign video game developers, mostly in South Korea and the US, and gave them a simple pitch. They explained that there would be a huge market for their games in China, but they lacked the ability to market and distribute the games effectively. Tencent already had a massive captive audience on their QQ app. By localizing these games into the Chinese language and pushing them to QQ users, they would become blockbusters overnight. They licensed the exclusive rights to distribute video games in the Chinese market. One of their earliest and most successful licensing arrangements was with the South Korean MMO RPG, Dungeon Fighter Online. As part of these deals, Tencent and the developers split the revenue generated from microtransactions. This was a great deal for Tencent because they generated revenue without having to incur the very substantial costs of developing the games themselves. With their new game licensing strategy, they very quickly became profitable, and in 2004 they IPO'd on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, raising $200 million. They now finally had the war chest they needed to take their video game ambitions to the next level. They invested their IPO proceeds into developing their own games in-house. As smartphones started gaining mainstream adoption in the early 2010s, they shifted their focus from desktop games to mobile games, which led to an explosion in growth. Even as they started developing original games in-house, they didn't reinvent the wheel. In the early days, almost all of their original games were heavily inspired by existing games that were already popular outside of China. For example, this is QQ Speed launched in 2010, a racing game heavily inspired by Mario Kart. This strategy greatly decreased the risk of a game being a flop because the concept was already proven in foreign markets. The games were extremely popular and helped QQ to become the most popular online application in China with over 600 million users in 2011. By 2010, Tencent was already generating $3 billion of annual revenue, making it one of the largest internet companies in China. But it was about to get a lot bigger. Around 2010, China implemented its so-called Great Firewall, which saw Western internet companies such as Google and Facebook banned from operating in the country. Without facing the more established Western composition, Tencent has a massive opportunity to become the country's dominant social media company. In 2011, they launched their free-to-use WeChat messaging app, which became a blockbuster almost immediately. One of the key differentiating features of WeChat was its voice recording functionality. You can speak into your microphone and it will send the recording as if it were a text message. This became an extremely popular feature, as people can save significant amounts of time on typing. Within two years, it surpassed 100 million users within China, They continue to add features in the form of mini-programs, which allow you to scan QR codes and connect to the internet. The single most important feature of WeChat from a monetization perspective is WeChat Pay. People can link their bank accounts to WeChat and pay for things with their phone by scanning a QR code. When WeChat first rolled out this feature, credit cards were not yet a big thing in China, and people primarily used cash. From a convenience and security perspective, WeChat Pay is far superior to carrying large amounts of cash in your wallet so it quickly became the dominant method of consumer payments within China. They make money by charging merchants a transaction fee of between 0.1% and 1%, which is a lot lower than most credit and debit cards. They also sell advertising spots within users' WeChat feeds, similar to how Facebook monetizes its Messenger app. Throughout the 2010s, WeChat grew rapidly and became ubiquitous within China. In 2017, they surpassed 1 billion monthly active users, making them the largest social media company by far within China and second largest in the world, only behind Facebook. The success of WeChat and QQ Games turned Tencent into a cash cow, and by the mid-2010s, they were making in excess of 100 billion RMB or 15 billion dollars per year in free cash flow. They pay a regular dividend to their shareholders, but this only accounts for about 10% of their profits. They retained the vast majority of their earnings to build up a massive war chest, which they used to go on a corporate acquisition spree. For their acquisitions, they focused on both domestic and foreign markets. Their foreign acquisitions were mostly in the video game industry, including Epic Games, the company behind Fortnite and the Unreal Game Engine, Riot Games, the company behind League of Legends and Valorant, and Supercell, the company behind Clash of Clans. Their domestic acquisitions were more varied, including the video game streaming company Hu Ya and the music streaming company China Music Corp, which they then rebranded as Tencent Media Entertainment. They also created Tencent Pictures, a motion picture studio which develops movies for the Chinese market. Their foreign video game acquisitions were extremely successful, with League of Legends, Fortnite, and Valorant becoming some of the most played and profitable games in the world. Tencent Music Entertainment was also a massive success, garnering over 600 million users. They IPO'd it on the New York Stock Exchange in 2018 where it then achieved a $21 billion valuation with Tencent maintaining a controlling stake. By this point, Tencent looked unstoppable. Even the pandemic in 2020 didn't pose a problem for them as usage of video games and WeChat increased with people spending more time at home. Their revenue peaked at $86 billion in 2021 and they made $35 billion of net profit, making them one of the most profitable companies in the world. Their share price also peaked that year at 741 Hong Kong dollars per share. This gave them a market capitalization equivalent to $900 billion, and they looked well on their way to becoming the first trillion dollar tech giant outside of the US. But things that good never last forever. Starting in 2018, there were signs that the Chinese government wasn't so happy about the video game industry. Video games have become extremely popular in China, especially amongst the younger generations. Excess gaming is widely believed to be a major contributing factor to nearsightedness. It is estimated that nearly half of minors in China wear corrective lenses. Excessive gaming can also have other unfavorable consequences, such as distracting kids from their studies. In China, new video games have to be approved by a government regulator. They do not allow games which they believe to run contrary to societal values. In 2018, they banned Monster Hunter World, a video game which Tencent was the sole Chinese distributor for. There was nothing particularly objectionable. This apparently arbitrary ban was a big sign that China was tightening its crackdown over the industry. Within a few months, the government started approving video games again, so it looked like Tencent could resume its prior growth trajectory. But these hopes were dashed in the summer of 2021, when Chinese state news outlets started harshly criticizing the video game industry, going so far as to compare the addictive nature of online games to opium. Soon thereafter, the government enacted some of their most stringent video game regulations today. They set a legal limit of 3 hours of video game time per week for minors. They enforced this by forcing video game developers to add facial recognition software required to log into video games. This can track how long you've played for and lock you out after you've reached the limit. They also implemented a blanket suspension on the approval of all new video games, On the bright side, almost all of Tencent's games are free to play, and monetized continuously with microtransactions. Their existing games continue to generate revenue, but their ability to further grow their user base has obviously been greatly diminished by the restrictions, and we're starting to see the negative impact in their financial performance already. As of the second quarter of 2022, revenue had declined by 7% compared to the peak in the fourth quarter of 2021. While 7% isn't a catastrophic decline, this is the first time in the company's history that revenue has declined instead of expanded. And if we look at the segment level performance, we can start to see why this is the case. Most of the decline has come from online advertising and FBS. FBS is short for FinTech and Business Services. This consists of transaction fees on WeChat Pay, as well as various enterprise solutions that Tencent sells to businesses within China. China's continued COVID restrictions, as well as high energy prices and droughts, have caused China's GDP growth to plummet. Less people going out and about means less people making transactions with WeChat pay. Also, businesses across the country are facing declining revenue, causing them to cut down their ad budgets for WeChat and QQ. Surprisingly, their domestic video game revenue has stayed roughly constant, only declining by about 5% from its peak. Because existing games are still monetizing, the effect of the new game ban will take a while to cause significant decreases in revenue. The one bright spot for Tencent is international video game revenue, which has increased fourfold since 2019. They knew that the regulatory environment within China was getting more and more unpredictable, so they shifted their investments towards international games in recent years. So what does the future hold for Tencent and its stock? They are certainly facing significant headwinds related to the regulatory and economic situation in China. But a lot of this is already baked into the stock, with a share price down 69% from its all time high. According to Yahoo Finance, the consensus earnings per share forecast for 2022 is 12.79 Hong Kong dollars, which seems reasonable based on its current run rate. This would give the stock a price to earnings ratio of about 18 at the time of recording this video. This makes the stock not terribly expensive, but not terribly cheap either. The question is, can Tencent return to revenue growth in the foreseeable future? Their WeChat app already has almost 1.3 billion monthly active users. Almost everybody within China already uses it. Outside of China, there is strong competition from Facebook, which greatly inhibits their ability to grow. So user growth is likely to stagnate going forward. If the Chinese economy recovers, their WeChat Pay transaction revenues as well as their advertising revenue will rebound. This will require a loosening of zero COVID policies, as well as a resolution to the ongoing real estate crisis, both of which could easily go on for another couple years. On the video game side, it looks like things might finally be turning around. This September, the Chinese regulators finally gave the green light to a Tencent game for the first time in 15 months. The game in question is called Health Defense, a mobile game about public health. This one game is not going to move the needle for Tencent, but it's at least a step in the right direction. And finally, their international games like League of Legends and Valorant, for example, continue to do well. However, this segment only makes up about 8% of their total revenue. Tencent is still a profitable and innovative company, and they're here to stay as one of the most important technology companies in China. But they do have a long and bumpy road ahead of them. You've been listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. Don't miss a minute wherever you go. Wall Street Millennial, signing out.